You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Wednesday afternoon. Let's uh, turn to our very first topic and guest of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about climate justice. Uh, some of you may have heard of this term uh, being used recently, but th- for those of you who don't know what climate justice means, it's basically a term that acknowledges that climate change can have a negative uh, impact on underprivileged populations. And for comment, I'm delighted to be joined by someone very knowledgeable and passionate about this uh, issue, Sonali Fagaris, who is the founder of Green Queen, which is a health and sustainability online media platform. Uh, welcome back on the program, Sonali. It's great to speak to you again. How are you doing? Always lovely to see your face, Noreen. Nice that we can see each other now this time, not audio only. So Absolutely. great to be here. Um, thanks for bringing up climate justice. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that we're talking about it because uh, in all the discussions surrounding sustainability, and I think we can all agree that there are far more sustainability discussions than ever. Um, climate justice is one that is hardly ever uh, really broached. Um, it, it, it's a lot stronger in certain uh, marginal population communities and also in the youth strike, youth climate strike movement. But in the mass media, climate justice is a topic that gets very little airwaves. Um, what, Why what climate is that? justice is. Um, well, first of all, it's a, it's a relatively new term in terms of people understanding what it means. And I think um, it's uh, the, this rise in, in an awareness about climate justice is happening as we also um, have a, big, a, a much larger focus on ethical um, and human rights issues around the world and um, on, on other kind of justice movements. So the racial justice movements, the gender justice movement. I think um, climate justice is really a term that is saying that uh, climate change, global warming, and all the issues that we face are not just environmental issues. They are ethical issues, they are political issues, and they are economic issues that affect, as you rightly said, the most underserved populations in the world. And so when we cover the climate crisis, I mean, that's something we cover on a regular basis, as exciting as it is to cover all the new food tech companies and the new eco fashion brands, which is really important. That's the hope. Those are the solutions. It's really important to remind ourselves why we need those solutions. And that's because there is a climate crisis. And I don't know if all your listeners are aware, but we no longer use the term climate change. We use the term climate crisis. Um, A bunch of journalists and media got together last year and agreed that we needed to elevate the term for this issue because it's, it's actually urgent. And climate justice is related to that. And something I want to draw your listeners into is that in Asia, we are going to feel um, climate, the climate crisis negative effects far more than anywhere else in the world. And the same goes for sub-Saharan Africa. And so that's what we can collectively refer to as the global south, along with South America. And basically, the, the idea of climate justice is that we need to ensure that underserved and underprivileged populations that are at a socioeconomic disadvantage are taken care of because they are going to feel the effects of climate change and global warming to an extent that it will not allow them to pursue a happy and dignified and fulfilled life for them and their families. I mean, if you are constantly worried about 
extreme weather, if you are worried about food shortages because climate, um, the climate crisis means that there's less food to go around, you know, all of that, the minute that there's a scarcity of resource, which is brought on by a lack of jobs and a lack of food, um, that's when you start to see uh, people in underserved and underprivileged and, and lower socioeconomic um, communities, they suddenly are less important. In, this, in the sense that they get moved aside for the, the desires and the, the needs of, you know, the top echelons of, socio, the top socioeconomic echelons of society. And this is gonna happen more and more. One of the things I talk about all the time is that we're gonna have a food crisis uh, in a few years. We're already having a food crisis, but we're gonna have a food crisis that's gonna affect everyone every day. Um, one of our most popular articles in, in, on Green Queen was one that we did that said, the five foods you eat for breakfast, you may no longer be able to eat them every day. And that's, you know, chocolate, coffee, uh, bananas, um, and, and sugar. And, and I think we, there was also potatoes. And these are all crops that are in dire straits because we're losing um, land to grow them on. They, they need certain environments and there's just not gonna be enough. And so, for example, that is going to affect all the farmers that are growing it. It's going to affect everyone that profits from the trade. And then as you go up, it affects, obviously, consumers because they don't have access to these foods that we eat every day. And that's an example of, of climate justice being an issue. But when we think about climate change, we don't think, oh, how is this going to affect, you know, the underserved populations? in the middle of Africa or in India or in Bangladesh. I mean, Bangladesh is a country where you can see the effects of the climate crisis very acutely. They have some of the worst extreme weather events. And every time there's an event like that, it causes, a, everyone becomes poorer and, and, and everyone's life becomes more challenging. And you so that's an really what climate there. justice is about. It's not just the, the sort of uh, underprivileged places i mean if we bring it closer to home i mean floods are being worsened as you mentioned just now by climate uh, change um there's also current research that shows that temperature with as temperatures rise and this was a study done by peking university um corn yields will, will decrease an average of 7.4 percent for every degree celsius of warming now we, we shouldn't just think of it affecting other countries but in Hong Kong for example we import so much of our food we have to also think about um, what's happening uh, w with larger cities like ourselves as well so when Absolutely. people start let's, to think like that about, when people start to think about, about energy and, and, and it, as climate as, as, as the weather gets hotter and as we experience extreme weather which anyone who has lived here for a long time like myself and yourself can attest to uh, every year it's getting hotter right here, which means we need more aircon. And so people without aircon are at a disadvantage, right? And then if the weather is so bad that it, it's almost impossible to work or get anything done, and you don't have access to air conditioning in your home or in a rest spot, then you can't be part of the employed population and you're gonna get sick. You're gonna have physical and health effects because of the weather being too hot and then that's going to affect your ability to earn a living and then you go into a cycle of poverty and that's that's what the climate justice movement is about it's about the fact that the climate crisis disproportionately affects people that are already minorities mm -hmm. 
in and in disadvantaged positions in society. Exactly. I mean, just on to that point, I mean, here in Hong Kong, the observatory reported that July 2020 was the warmest month in Hong Kong in 136 years since uh, 1884. So, you know, it seems like the climate crisis is an emergency. So why isn't it being treated like an emergency? I know every time we talk about this, I, I often feel sort of my heart racing a little bit more and it feels more urgent, as you said. But why isn't it being treated as urgently as it should be? I have no idea. It is something that I spend all my time thinking about. I'm, in fact, I'm preparing a talk uh, for a TED event, and that is what I want to explore. Why do we not care more? And, and I include you know myself and everyone in there, and I'm, this is not a blame game. No. I'm genuinely trying to understand, are we not in front of the facts? Do we not feel it um, the same way as, as, as maybe activists do? Um, I'm, I'm doing a fascinating interview. I'm editing it right now with, a, with a, a sociologist and a brand strategist called Anna Angelic. She's amazing. She's written a book about um, called The Business of Aspiration. And in our conversation, I say to her, you know, why has there been a shift in consumer mindsets towards sustainability? And one of the things she talks about, you know, and this is her job to study. She she spent her whole career studying human behavior and, and social behavior and cultural behavior. And she says that humans are just not wired to deal with something that is long term away. So basically, until it's right in front of our faces, it's really difficult for us. But then by and then so, it's too late to do anything. But that's, and, but that's, that's one of the real challenges mm. of, of just how we've evolved, is that we've evolved to deal with the threat right now. Mm. And so this is where activists, media, uh, people like me, you know, this it's our job, people like you, it's our job to really get this in front of people all the time. Huh? I said people like you, you do a phenomenal job. I, 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 I dip I into this topic enough. You do so I just don't do enough. I just, I feel completely inadequate every day because I just think, when, how can I find a lever, a trigger to really get everyone to wake up? And, and, you know, for most people, a lot of the things that I think about every day, it's, it's too many things on top of their daily life. And, and of course, this comes back to economic justice and climate justice, because if you're a single mom, and Anna Angelic says this in her interview, she says, if you're a single mom and you're worried about putting food on the table for your three kids, and you've got, you know, two jobs and, and you know, an extra part-time job, you don't have time to think about climate change. And you don't have time to think about whether the fast fashion you're buying is bad for, is, is, is ethically questionable and bad for the planet. You are just thinking about survival. So I think we do need to distinguish between people who are beyond just thinking about survival because they are actually just trying to get to the end of the day and, 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 and just eat and, and have shelter um, and, and have security. And then the people that are luckier and that basically are beyond that. And we do have a, a responsibility to to act on behalf of the, those others. And yet it's the poorer people who are paying the price. Um, I've been really reading Always. a lot in, into this whole sort of climate crisis and, and climate justice. And 
I couldn't find an example here in Hong Kong specifically for as it being a, a vehicle for racial inequality, um, but I did find one in America. I saw in an article in the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences found that white people experience a pollution advantage of 17% less air pollution exposure. Um, in con- in contrast to blacks and Hispanics who bear a pollution burden, as they put it, of 56% for blacks and 63% uh, for Hispanics. And this is sort of exposure uh, relative to um, their consumption, it, whether it's from their environment, from, from their jobs um, or other exposures. I, I couldn't really find yeah, any we- in Hong Kong, but there is that sort of racial inequality that... Um, that poor people, and on top of that, if you're non-white, if you're black or Hispanics, in the case of America, you are paying the, that price for the pollution burden. Absolutely. Um, th- this is something we actually covered that study in Green Queen because we're part of a, an alliance called Covering Climate Now that allows um, reprinting of of. of agreed upon stories, so from us or from others. And that's that's an incredible story. I think Grist first covered it. And, um, and, and it's such an important thing to talk about. And that is at the heart of climate justice. The fact that if you are disadvantaged, whether it's racially, for gender reasons, socioeconomically, uh, uh, disabled issues, like being physically abled versus not, um, you will experience climate, the climate crisis much more acutely. And that's not fair because if you get more pollution, you get more health issues. And if you have more health issues, then you have to pay higher medical bills. And, and if you, you're in a country you can't even afford where it, you, don't, yeah. you know, your health care is not sorted out, then you're completely screwed. Sorry. <laughs> no, you can totally say that. <laughs> and maybe I'm talking to you, but uh, it made me think of, it was quite philosophical, but you know the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, when he said, when the rich wage uh, when the rich wage war, it's the poor who die. It's sort of similar to this, you know. It's when the it's when the rich who are essentially benefiting, um, in a way, they're contributing that the most. They're using the world's uh, resources the most. Yet the poor people are paying for this and they're Absolutely. dying. Absolutely, and I'm so I'm so glad every you brought time that I talk because... to you, I feel so passionate. <laughs> <laughs> it's contagious. Well, you know, it's so funny. It's so funny, Noreen, because this I write an editor's letter every Monday, and this. Monday, I wrote about the first episode of the Michelle Obama podcast, where she has her husband, Barack. Obviously, I don't need to explain who he is, hopefully. And they have a very candid, uh, beautiful and heartwarming discussion about the values that they grew up with and and why they were attracted to one another. And both of them have this message inside of them, which I think is super important when we talk about climate justice, which is for me, they both say this in, in, in other words, I'm paraphrasing, but they both say for me, I don't, for me, success on my own is empty. I am only successful if I'm lifting up those around me. And that's at the heart of what you're saying and climate justice issues. And we, oh, we should not feel that we've achieved anything if only 1% or less than 1% of our society is living a fabulous life. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, we all we all win when we lift everyone and I think it's such an important message. Success is about community. 
Exactly. If only the 1% or, as you said, less than 1% will actually know this. But, you know, they build their riches on other people's, um, I don't want to say misery, but at, uh, at the expense of other people. Um, I, I want to continue with this uh, conversation about climate justice, but let's perhaps also end uh, today's segment on, on something positive. You know, how can we be a part of the pollu- uh, solution? <laughs> how can we not well, be the pollution like, and be the solution? <laughs> as I like to repeat always, um, the biggest thing you can do as an individual consumer to lessen the effect of your carbon footprint and your 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 kind of contribution and impact to the climate crisis is to change how you eat. And that means um, really veering plant-based. And the good news is, is that our plant-based um, dining scene in Hong Kong is thriving. And here's a little shout out to um, all the restaurants, plant-based and otherwise, who have been struggling so much the last few weeks and this whole year and this whole kind of more than a year because business has been so challenging due to many issues. And, you know, on Friday, I think we're going to be allowed to go out for dinner again. And so I would say if you believe in the climate, support um, a restaurant, and if you can support a plant-based restaurant or a plant-based meal, at least, um, we we do a column called "Where to Eat Plants." And every month, I joke with my team that I'm worried there won't be enough entries. And every month, we're just overloaded with good news. Um, this month, we shared about a new vegan. Uh, veg- uh, sorry, a vegetarian Korean temple restaurant. We have an, uh, a new 100% vegan meal delivery service. We have a new vegan French patisserie, which is outstanding. I just tried those creations. It's in Chantrepo. It's a must. It's called Bien Caramelisé. The, the vegan meal delivery is green cravings. Um, the so- Soil to Soul is the vegan temple food that's at K11. It's vegan and vegetarian. Uh, the, the folks from Hong Kong Vegan Shop who were in Wan Chai and clothes have returned in Sim Sa Choi as Vego Coffee or Vejo Coffee. It's awesome. We've got VW Vegan that landed in Taipo. Um, we've got, uh, we've now got vegan croissants at two chains in Hong Kong, nude food and pret. Vegan I mean, croissants. who thought that would ever come? You've got Green Common that just is opening their doors in Chunwan with another location of, of deli and and, cafe and a grocery store. Um, I know for a fact that there's a, a plant-based bubble tea shop that's going to open in Central. And there's a new vegan restaurant with, with a vegan cheese uh, deli that's going to open in Central. Um, we'll release more details in our next edition in, in September. But it's just unbelievable how much... Uh, how much is going on. And given how difficult it is to be a restaurateur and an F&B person right now, the fact that there's so much movement in the plant-based dining scene shows me that there's just been this sea of change. And the pandemic has really helped people realize that our food system is broken. We need to vote more for plants and we need more options and we need to vote for health. And remember, if you are a healthier person, you require less health care. Healthcare is going to be one of the biggest costs to society globally in the world, if not the biggest cost. We are getting sicker. Part, we're partly getting sicker because of our habits, but we're also mostly getting sicker because of our broken food system.
Yeah, food for thought. Well, we've got to vote for plant. And, and if you have a healthier body, a healthier constitution, as you mentioned just now, you know, we're, we're less likely uh, to become sick and, and add burden uh, to our healthcare systems. Um, we need to go to uh, Green Queen's platform so that we can find out more about these uh, delicious uh, vegan meals around town. Sonali, as always, I'm so thankful for you uh, lifting our communities and, and enlightening our listeners as well for all that you do in this uh, green space and beyond. Remind our listeners once again how we can find out more about you and your great work have you got a, a platform that we can go to a facebook page and instagram remind our Absolutely. listeners again thank you noreen every time i talk to you i feel better um because sometimes i do lose hope like everyone else so thank you very much for giving me this 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 opportunity and platform you can reach us at www.greenqueen.com.hk on social it's at greenqueenhk on every uh channel and you can also write to me anytime get in touch at greenqueen.com.hk and i will answer i always do you always do thank you so much for your time today sonali and i look forward to chatting to you again next time thank you very much indeed Thank you so much, Noreen. Have a great day. You too.